You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of K-Drama Meets with Saya, Anissa and Parama. Hi, I'm Parama and this is a special series we have been wanting to do for a long time. In episodes of K-Drama Meets, we'll be talking to the amazing, talented, supremely creative people that make up the Korean drama fandom, our fandom. In this episode, we have the fantastic good fortune all thanks to Saya's persistence of getting writer June Her to come and tell us about her book Silence of the Bones. What connects it to K-dramas you ask? Well, June is a long-time drama fan and her book is set in Joseon era Korea. It's a YA novel that's created quite a lot of buzz already and it's releasing the day we published this episode. So this was a really fun chat for us. We covered why she chose that period, how difficult the research was, barriers of language and culture, imposter syndrome, casting Korean actors for her characters, and dramas. Lots of dramas, all the dramas. You can find Silence of the Bones at all major bookstores and online outlets. You can follow June on Twitter at writer June Her. That's writer J U N E H U R, and on Instagram at June H Writes. That's J U N E H Writes. You can find us at Dramas Overflow on Twitter and at Dramas Over Flowers underscore podcast on Instagram. You can email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. As always, before starting the episode, we want to thank our listeners and our incredible patrons, all of whom make these episodes possible. Our Patreon page resides at patreon slash dramasoverflowers. And we would love it if you would take a look. Okay, so that's done. Let's get on with the yakking. You'll now be listening to K-Drama Meets writer June Her. So, hi everyone, this is Saya. This is Anissa. And this is Parma. And today we've got a episode of K-Drama's Meet, which is our episode where we grab somebody from the fandom and make them talk to us about <laughs> what they do and their special expertise. So we're really excited about this one and I've actually been on our guest's case for like since we started to join us for this and we finally got her and I'm really excited and it is um YA author June Her whose debut book is coming out in April 2020. Hi June. Hi, nice to meet you all in through the mic. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us um, a little bit about yourself and and what your book baby is all about. Sure. Um, so my name is June and I was born in South Korea. And then I think when I was around, I don't know how old I was, but I was a baby. And then we moved to the States and lived there for a bit and then moved to Canada. And that's where I lived most of my life. But then in high school, uh, my parents decided to move back to Korea and... My siblings and I, we all followed them there, and that's when I began attending the Korean high school, and that was quite the experience. Um, <laughs> I went to class from like, I think like 8 a.m. until uh, 10 p.m. Bizavyaja, the self-studying period. Yeah, so that was that oh, was gosh. fun. Um, but then <laughs> I was failing in school so miserably because I I wasn't that good in Korean. Like, I could speak it with my friends, but I didn't know how to study in Korean. Um, so I ended up having to come back to Canada. I retook a few years of high school and then entered UFT. And then my sisters followed me. My sister and brother followed me along. 
Um, so yeah, my parents still live in Korea, and I still, and we live in Canada, but I see them every few years. And my book is called The Silence of Bones, and it's set in Joseon Dynasty, Korea. And it's about an indentured servant named Saul who must assist a young inspector in solving the case of a murdered nobleman. But there's more to the case than meets the eye. And if I had to comp my book, since we're on a you know, K-drama podcast, um, I would say it would be Signal Meets Kingdom on Netflix without the zombies, though. Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> nice. really cool. <laughs> and considering they're actually from the same writers, too. Oh, are they? Yeah. <gasps> no wonder yeah. I love them both. Wow. <laughs> that's a really solid comp. Yay. Yeah, I mean, I've been so excited to, to read your book for, like, years yeah, so insane. this is very 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 cool yeah i mean i think we first we'll heard we first heard about your book from it's probably been about two years and mm. this is long before um you had an agent then but it hadn't like been like it hadn't what, what do you what do you call that yeah it didn't when sell, it's been it picked up sold. it didn't get the book deal but it wasn't yeah it was so it's sold. been like yeah, yeah. it's been quite uh, an exciting journey for us as onlookers watching mm. this book that we think is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. And we don't know anything about it except the premise. <laughs> um, but like the premise is amazing, and to see it sort of like you know go through the entire uh, book gestation pregnancy period, mm. and now it's about to be born. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and of course, you've become a mother in that time yes. as well, which is yep. you know yeah. <laughs> it's which, yeah, I which can't imagine harder. how how busy and. <laughs> yep. uh, intense this time has been for you yeah it's been a lot of learning how to time manage <laughs> what what do you think what would you say was harder like bringing a human uh, into the world or bringing a book into the world oh that's a good question hmm oh well the funny thing about motherhood is like once you bring a baby into the world you forget the pain right away <laughs> almost right away uh-huh. but then like i have i know it hurt like wild but I, but when I think of writing, like it took me eight years to give birth, so <laughs> I'd say that was a bit more painful. <laughs> I was like in labor for eight years. Oh wow, that's that's one hell of a way to look yeah. at it. Also, books not as cute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they do live potentially longer than humans. So. Yeah, that's true. Boy, that's, that's kind of dark. Oh, I, I love Saya. the comparison. <laughs> <laughs> but you know a book can live for like hundreds yeah, of years true. No, true. even it's, thousands yeah. so like so comparatively yeah. mm. and it's more of a and you have to build legacy. it cell by cell mm-hmm. like your body's not doing it for you you're, you're doing it with your brain yeah that's true <laughs> oh that's awesome okay before this metaphor takes on a weird <laughs> life of its own <laughs> <laughs> we're moving on to the next question I'm waiting for you to yeah. take it <laughs> We all uh, watch uh, Joseon period K-dramas, of course, mm-hmm. but it's, I don't think we have seen any uh, YA uh, Sagyuk, have we? I, at least I can't remember any. I, I don't remember too. I mean, aside, aside from maybe Arang, I think she was a teenager when she got murdered. I, I don't... feel like Sung Kwan scandal is oh, also oh, kind oh, of oh, you meant YA K-dramas. to me. But does that... Okay. 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. No, uh, so the thing is that we're not really used to imagining mm-hmm. like a YA story set in the Joshin period, um, you know, in, in Korea. Yeah. So what inspired you to create a murder mystery <laughs> YA in that period? Okay, so um, my background is in history. So I studied history at U of T and then for around 10 years, whether it was to try and publish or just fan fiction wise, I wrote historicals. So like I wrote, you know, sequels of Pride and Prejudice or I tried to write books that would be like Jane Eyre. Um, and I tried to get <laughs> my historical romance published, but that didn't work. Um, so it was always history. And then when I tried, I've tried to write contemporary, but then they talk like they're in the 19th century. <laughs> I'm like, nope. <laughs> <not."> <laughs> so I, 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 history is, the only thing I know how to write at right now. Um, maybe in the future I'll try to, you know, write something else. But right now it's just history. And then I've always loved mystery because Signal, it's so good. And <laughs> it's amazing. And I feel like even though there aren't too many mysteries in Korean dramas, there's always like an element of mystery in a lot of Saguks and even like contemporaries there's always like you know mm. who where is my mother like um or like what happened to my father or like who killed my sister even though that's not the genre in itself there's always a part of it that's a mystery often that's a good point. yeah and so i just mm. kind of combined what i love to write which is history and then what I love to watch on TV, which is like having elements of mystery in it. Um, and I think what really inspired me was, have you watched Chosen X-File? I not have a yet. bit, it's, but not, yeah, not it's completely. really good. So, well, okay. it was good when I watched it a while back. Uh, so it was one of the first saga mysteries that I watched that had mm. like no romance in it. And it was just pure mystery. And uh, people compare it to The X-File because it's, it, it has like supernatural natu- elements in it. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, it was just so refreshing to see a pure mystery show set in Chosen Korea. Uh, but like this is so common in the West. Like you see like Victorian mysteries, like um, mysteries set in, I don't know, like some small village in the past like, you know, those BBC dramas, those period Yeah, dramas? that's exactly what I was yeah, thinking about. Yeah, it's so of, common, like, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. see too Or like the, the Agatha yeah, Christie exactly. type of period stuff. Yeah, so there's so many of those. And then, and I love those period mysteries. And so I'm like, oh, it would be nice if there were more Korean dramas that were centered around mysteries as well. And so I just wrote what I wanted to read and what I wanted to watch as well. Yeah. So when you were deciding on this setting, mm-hmm. uh, not only just the past, but in like Korea's past, mm-hmm. did you have to worry about how accessible it would be to your Western readers? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so like I said, I, I wrote British historicals. So I knew like, I almost knew nothing about Korean historical when I first began writing this book. And so like the history enthusiast in me, like accuracy is so important to me. I've and I've worked at the library and sometimes I'll open a history book and I'll see history novel and I'll see people like correcting dates and stuff and so it's always been <laughs> a real fear of mine that I'll get something wrong so I I did as much Is this in Robarts? 
oh no it's just in a small local library i'm like oh these people are brutal people who love history are brutal yeah so when i began writing my korean historical i began writing it because i i wanted to know more about korea's past myself and so i wrote it in a way where it was basically an introduction to chosen korea for myself so i had to i wanted to make sure that when I wrote about like the sceneries and you know the about Hanyang the capital and you know the fields and the mountains I wanted it to be so like visual that I could feel like I was there myself looking and exploring and basically the heroine Sel she she's trying to solve a mystery but I'm following her trying to like look around and explore like ooh like look at the market <laughs> and like oh is this like, what they ate and so like as she explored, I'd find more reasons to, you know, research and learn more about uh, Chosun Korea, specifically the 1800s. And then I'd incorporate, like, incorporate it into the book wherever I could. And then when I landed an editor, she's like, there's too much historical info dumps here. And so what I had to do was like, you know, kind of smooth it out, make sure that it wasn't like a history textbook. But yeah, that's what mm. happened. And so um, because I wrote it in a way where I was introducing Korea's past to myself. Um, for, for now, like, I haven't really encountered readers who would say, like, oh, like, you know, it, I couldn't really see the place because I don't know anything about Chosen Korea. But I'm seeing a lot of people say, like, oh, like, I have no idea. I, I don't know anything about 1800s Korea. And yet I felt like I was there. And so that was my biggest goal. And I feel like so far it's been working out. That's fantastic. Yeah. I suppose that the, the next question mm-hmm. that begs is how much research did your novel need? And like, how did you do that? Oh, uh, a lot of research. Um, so I've done researches for my other book before, and it's a British historical. So I always assumed that the experience would be kind of similar. Like, there would be an online forum, I could, you know, ask people very detailed questions like oh what is the you know fabric of this glove made out of and people would always answer someone would find the answer somehow but with Chosun Korean history you're I almost feel like I was on my own um I even had I even reached out to um a friend who's in not a friend an acquaintance who's in um who's studying for a PhD in Korean history and then and I asked her like you know if she could you know, help me out with the research and all that, like to just double check that I was doing things correctly. And even she was like saying it's like the further back you go in Korean history, the more difficult resources get. Like maybe in Korea, there's tons of resources, but not a lot of them have been translated into English compared to, Mm -hmm. let's say, like Chinese history or obviously British history. There's so much resource out there for um, those countries but when it comes to Korea I feel like it's it's not something new but it's still an up and coming area of research I feel like I'm mm-hmm. it's just based on my own experience and so they have a lot of research like English articles scholarly articles about chosen Korea but you don't get the details like you know um, you know what was the police system like in Korea like you get very generalized information but and then I find like this huge Korean book 
about the police system, but it's not translated. And so, uh. yeah, and so I can only, like, I'll read articles in Korean, but it's really hard to translate an entire book. Um, yeah. So I have to kind of base it on educational guesses and, like, based on the snippets I do understand. Um but yeah, like, yeah, it's been pretty tough. And Korean resources, a lot of them have hanja in it, so classical Chinese. And so I'm re- I'm translating the Korean and I'm trying to figure out like, oh, I don't know Chinese. What what does this word mean? And so oh, wow. yeah, I'm translating that. Um, but now my, my husband's um, from Hong Kong. So now I have people in my life (laughs) who I could just like message on WhatsApp going what does this mean and then usually it's his mom he'll his mom will like give me an explanation of the word I'm like oh okay um it's been really tough and I feel like it's um because there aren't as many books in the west about Chosun Korea there's also that burden of being like oh no like am I representing this correctly and Koreans are very like um, not are very protective. I feel like of their history, and so as an immigrant, for me, it's always I I'm always struggling with that sense of like, am I allowed? Am I Korean enough to write about Korean history? And if they read my book, will will they approve of it? And so there is that kind of yeah. It's it's an interesting experience that I never thought I'd go through while researching but yeah that's that's been my experience so far wow. so interesting that as a korean for all intents and purposes that you f- still feel that yeah, way like are you korean enough because mm-hmm. i have to say like for those of us who sort of i mean all three of us dabble more than dabble in korean entertainment mm-hmm. and we often sort of come at, uh, against that um, not a wall exactly, but uh, an invisible barrier of mm-hmm. am I allowed to go here? Am I qualified to exactly. say certain things on certain topics? Mm-hmm. So it's it's um, surprising almost to hear you say that you feel the same yeah. way. Why do you think that is? So it's it's from I feel like most of the people in my lives who are born Korean and raised Korean, I don't think they intend to be offensive, but there is always that shock factor where they're like when I tell them oh I'm writing about chosen Korean they're like oh you are like do you know anything about Korean history or another time my relative was like she's like um super well learned and she knows everything about Korean history apparently and she'd like tell my parents like oh you need to make sure that June reads the chosen shirok like you can't write a good historical without it without reading that and basically the chosen shirok is this huge record of Korean history that's not been translated into English and apparently if you stack it up all together it's as tall as a building <laughs> and she and is that asking, an oh my yeah. god I need to read that to write a proper historical and for me my kind of defense is like when I'm reading English scholarly articles these are scholars who have read the chosen shirok and have you know based their papers on it and so I'll read snippets of that book but I don't have the language ability or the you know I just don't have that ability to actually read the full thing like that's a privilege I don't have um and so there is that kind of like sense of Koreans being like I know this much I grew up learning history like this is like 
part of who I am. But do you know, like you didn't grow up with Korean history. You don't really know how to read Korean that well. Um, so how do you know that you're writing it properly? And so there, there is a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. But I will also add that being an outsider of sorts, I th- I think it gives you a different kind of insight, mm-hmm. especially when you're bringing that out to other people. Yeah. So I have no doubt that th- what you've written is is going to be great. Thank you. Oh, but just as a side, not all, not I haven't experienced that with everyone. It was just two people. Mm. Yeah, but I just like <laughs> overthink and I just internalize like oh. that's that's true. <laughs> It's like those two people who say that, and that just like ruins you. Yeah, for exactly. Years. <laughs> it won't be like yeah. that. I, um, I mean, I don't know. This isn't one of our questions, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering if like, is this something that you would think about in terms of like maybe in the future at some time potentially thinking about translating into Korean and whether you know mm-hmm. how that would be received in terms of like, yeah. <laughs> maybe like a more critical eye in terms of like historical details yeah, and so the things that you decided to write. I remember thinking like, oh, it would be great for my book to be translated into other language, except Korean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> jokes aside, um, I was fortunate enough. Um, there's this, uh, she's like a Korean English translator. Her name is Jamie. And then she saw on Twitter that I was like kind of struggling to like uh, with regards to historical accuracy like I've done my best I fact-checked as much as I could um I've had other people read but they weren't really um historians or anything like that um but she's she has she translates work and is really experienced when it comes to cross-referencing and fact-checking and then she offered to read through my book pro bono um and so she read through it and then like she came up with a few things that needed to be fixed but besides that um, she said that it was okay. It was good to go. Um, and when I was actually writing my debut, I made sure to um, work into the story historical references that were like easy to find online. Not that it's like on Wikipedia, but like if you searched it up, um, if you search up like one of the terms I use in Korean, like you'd find information on it and it wouldn't be like controversial or anything and nothing like that I might, that would be easy to get wrong. So I just stayed clear of those things and yeah. Can I ask if that mm. was Jamie Chang? Um, no, she, I don't okay. know her last name, but I, she's not, not, she's not Korean. She's not East Asian. So oh, okay. yeah, probably not. Because if it was Jamie Chang, that would be the person who translated uh, Kim Ji Young, uh, born in 1982. Ooh. If if it was her, yeah. But if it wasn't, yeah. then, I, I think she then does it was other her. other translation stuff. Okay, so you've told us um, about how important historical accuracy is mm-hmm. to you. Um, did you set your novel in a particular time period, like you know, under a specific king, mm-hmm. or did you like to leave those a bit ambiguous? Uh, so I set it in exactly 1800 and it kind of brings into 1801 by the end of the book and the person ruling over it at during that time was queen regent chongsun wangbi uh yeah oh a queen yeah that's cool yeah so when she came into power she was super angry because um uh basically you know what the whole prince hado incident like um her husband 
<laughs> killed her his son in a rice chest, and then when Prince Haro's son grew up, that was King Chongjo, and he was super pissed basically um, at Queen Chongsun, who he thought kind of had an influence over his father, and that's how. No, I mean his grandfather, and that's how his father, Prince Hado, died. And so when she came into power, she was very vengeful, um, and she wanted to basically get rid of the Southerner faction, which was also um, in back. Uh, it's very complicated, but basically, King Chongzhou and the Southerner faction they joined hands in order to try and like strip. Chongsun Wangbi of power and her family of power, and so later on when she does come into power, she's basically just you know wiping out everyone who tried to. Oh. Yeah, it was like a purge, and that's where the story wow. is set in. Wow. Does that play into the plot of the yeah. book? Yeah, yeah, it plays into oh, the mystery oh. as well. Or is that oh. spoiler? <laughs> <laughs> what else did you do to bring the book to life? Like, did you travel to Korea and look at like the settings and, and mm. what, what other things did you do? So, a lot of the story is set outside of the palace. So, and I grew up when I lived in Korea. I kind of grew up in the suburbs, and so I lived in front of the rice paddies, and there were mountains. Um, and so, I, I definitely added that into the story, the the nature aspect of it. And when it comes to Hanyang, the capital, I. I don't. It's not there anymore. So um, what I did was just I tapped into all the experience of watching Korean historical dramas, and in those dramas, Hanyang just comes to life. And so um, I took that experience and I relied on this amazing map of Hanyang they had. They had a map of like you know where all the shops are, what kind of shops, where the government buildings are, and all that. And so I used that map and my memory of. All that I saw in dramas, and then I kind of mushed them together. Uh, this kind of goes amazing. into the next question, mm-hmm. actually, very, very smoothly, which was, um, which is, what was your experience, your earliest experience of K drama, mm-hmm. and do you think your experience of K dramas influenced the way you've visioned your story, which you've kind of told mm-hmm. us a little about? But maybe you can tell us about your journey with K drama. So I think my earliest, earliest was like, uh, what is it even called? Um... It's that one where they fall in love, but then they realize they're siblings. Oh, I... oh, uh, that's a lot of my heart. heart. Yeah. Is, it? is that autumn in my heart? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And then they realize they're not siblings after I think. Right, because one of them's like switched, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like the girl is switched at birth or something. <laughs> I haven't seen this, but the the reason I know this like so instantly is because I was looking up um, the. K drama references from Crash Landing oh. on You because there's one North Korean soldier who like is obsessed with these like dramas from the early two thousands, oh, yeah. but he never got to finish. And so yeah, so then I was just like looking up the plot. Yep, that was it. Autumn in my heart. Autumn story. Now that I remember, um, it was that was the first introduction, and then from there, I just watched everything I could get my hands on when it with K drama romance. Uh, but I think the. And then I stopped for a really long time because I watched that when I was I don't know like middle school or something. I stopped for a really long time, and then when I was in high school, I ended up watching the Sagak Tongi. Have you heard of that? Mm, I have heard of yeah. it, but not watched it. So it's like Han Hyo Ju is in that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
is 60 episodes and it's just about this servant girl who rises in power, catches the love interest of the king. And I fell in love with it so hard. Um, and I think that's what really fed into my love of Sagak. And so I st- after Tongi, I watched uh, Jewel in the pa- Palace, you know, Tejangum, and I watched all mm. the Korean classic Sagaks. Um, and I feel like that really sewed into um, my love of Korean, like my future love of Korean history. Like I always, even then, like I was like, oh, Sakuk is so fun, but I didn't really care about Korean history. Like I didn't care to read into it until <laughs> I was much older. Um, and then that's when I'm like, oh, like the things I saw in Korean drama, like it's actually real. Like this person was real. And, and that was pretty cool. So you kind of had, instead of having like this journey, which maybe like a Korean viewer would have of like, oh, these people that I studied yeah, at school, exactly. here they are being represented on yeah. TV. Instead, you were like, oh, these people I saw yeah, represented on TV, they're awesome. actually historical figures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's connected to the next question, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, like when we think of Korean history, for us, the sets, the costumes, mm-hmm. everything is stuff that we've seen in K-dramas. Yeah. And that's what... So do you, when you envision your own characters in your story, do you envision them in like settings that have basically been created by Korean drama in your head? (laughs) I I think I am pretty much similar to a lot of the Western audiences who who watch Korean drama, historic sagaks, because I'm, I was mostly raised in Canada myself. Um, So when I was writing my story, I, I had very strong visuals of like little details that I saw in Korean dramas that I really loved like for example the black tiled roofs like you'll see that in my books yeah Mm -hmm. um like you know like rain falling on black tiled roofs the straw hats and like rain drippings off of that and the mist and the mountains um and when it came to clothing I I love describing the clothing so so whenever a new character comes in, like I, I describe, you know, what is she wearing? What are the, you know, decorations on her dress? And for the inspector, like he'd always be wearing this midnight blue robe and have um, the silver embroidery of a tiger on his clothing and the hat and the, you know, the hats men wore, which are called cut. They wore that and the beads strung around it. So I just, I went all out, like all the things I loved about um, the fashion of that period, I tried to embed into my book, um, and for me, and it all was, of those things yeah. have mm-hmm. just one quick question. All of those things have symbolism as well, isn't it? Like the beads mean something, yeah. and the embroideries mean something. Did you put that same meaning into into your book? So for the embroidery, for the inspector, I did, which was like a reference to like the tiger was worn by the military officials, and then when it came to the beads. I, I when I was researching I learned that the beads are worn by men of nobility so the commoners they wear that hat the black hat but they wouldn't have beads around it and so I'm like oh, that's so cool and so I'd add that in as well <laughs> yeah I did and the feathers and all the different what do you call them I, I know all the names <laughs> the feathers on the hats, or you know, like the uh, the um, the police bureau, and they have these particular different coloured tassels and yeah, things like that. I, that that part I didn't add in. I didn't even read it. 
Can you tell me about it? <laughs> I'm actually really I only interested. know I only know what I've learned from dramas. Oh, I'm so curious. <laughs> Literally all I, I know. I do have a question. I mean, I do have a question when you're talking about like particular details yeah. like the cut and like particular details that are only, you know, present in Korean and maybe there's not even like an English translation yeah, exactly. word for it. So like if I How do you mm-hmm. um Sorry, I, I just wanted to ask, like, I know, like, the diasporic writers mm-hmm. talk about this a lot, whether to italicize the word oh, yeah. or to just translate it, you know, like, should you have footnotes? Like, how did you deal with that? So that when I wrote it, when when I wrote my debut, it was like a mixture of everything. Like, I, I italicized some, I didn't italicize others. But then when my editor was going through my mas- manuscript, she said I had to choose one or the other. <clears throat> um, And she gave she presented an argument for both sides and I decided because the character, the story is written from first person, I realized it doesn't really make sense to italicize Korean words because it's not like she's saying like, Annyeong! I said hi, <laughs> right? It's kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's untrue yeah. to her and so I decided um, it just sound it just makes more sense for it not to be italicized in first person um, and the argument for that is like, you know, Korean words are not exotic, so it shouldn't be italicized. On the flip side, the other argument for italicizing, and I totally understand the other side as well, is um, it's still a new word. And so in order not to confuse or like just make it make the reading experience difficult for Western readers, like it should be italicized and it should be explained. Um and, it, and I feel like a lot of the backlash towards italicized words comes from, like, people who are like, oh, but, you know, we've had to grow up reading, like, like random French words written into the English language and was it wasn't italicized. So why should, like, East Asian or just, you know, Asian words in general or any, you know, non-English words be italicized? Um, so there is that argument. But then for me, coming from, like, a... Uh, a diaspora position like I would I don't mind reading Korean books that are have words italicized because like maybe I don't know them and maybe I'd like to look into them a bit more so I get both sides but I I also get the criticism for what the mm-hmm. italicizing so yeah it's it's uh it's a uh, yeah controversial I guess it's, it's a personal decision yeah it's, it is personal go. yeah yeah Mm-hmm. I didn't realize you had that much choice over it, though. That's interesting to learn. Yeah, it was. I really appreciate it. My, I think it depends on your editor, right? Yeah, my editor was very, like, she's amazing. She's like, this is the argument from both sides. And she's like, but, you know, she's mentioned her preference, which was, like, I'd prefer it if you didn't italicize, but it's up to you. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I chose, I chose what she suggested. But yeah. So speaking of writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is what we've been speaking about the whole time. Duh. Um, so back to sort of the the um, relationship between dramas and writing. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're watching dramas, which is like ninety percent of the time for some of us, it's not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we always find that our final opinion um, on the quality of a drama is that it rests on its writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are your thoughts on that? And does being a writer make you look at K-drama differently? Um, yeah, that was an interesting question. Like coming from uh, drama drama experts like you, 
folks. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you I mean couch potatoes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Until I read, saw the question, I'm like, oh, I never thought of it like that. But it actually makes sense because I, there are cases where like you know you watch dramas and just the writing is so bland, and then and like when it's bland, the characters don't come alive and. The story can be actually like plotless, but if the characters are engaging and endearing, like you just want to keep watching. And I feel like when it comes to, um, yeah, I guess in that sense, like even with books, even if there's nothing really going on, if you have amazing characters, you'll keep reading. And so I think it's the same for Korean dramas. And I think an example of that was. It's not really the case, but um, what's it called? The it's about a group of girls who roommate together. Oh, um, oh, Age of Youth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, there's not, there's no like murder. Like maybe there's a murder plot, but there's no like. <laughs> it's not like action. <laughs> it's not action packed. It's not like like some huge uh, mystery going on. It's basically young women living together, and sometimes. Huge chunks of the scene are just them inside their apartment fighting or chatting, and those are all dialogue based. And I feel like if the writing of those dialogues are really well done, like even if they're in a room, you're just like, oh my gosh, like this is so intense. And yeah, so I agree. Like I think writing is so important, and how you use writing to you know develop dialogue or character and yeah. So that smoothly brings us to our next question about uh, writing. Mm-hmm. Is when you plotted this, mm-hmm. um, it's a murder mystery. Murder mysteries. I mean, people seem to think that murder mysteries are easy to write. Uh-huh. Um, in some ways, uh, the, the keeping the suspense is the hard part. Yeah. But you know, essentially, it's an easy paint by numbers uh, way of writing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what do you think? I mean, how hard was it for you to write a murder mystery? Is this the first murder mystery mm-hmm. that you've written? And how did you go about doing it? So when I first wrote this book, it was actually like a woman's fiction. I imagine like, you know, Sal was much older and she was a servant and I wanted her to like explore her womanhood and find her identity and find her agency. That's what the story was about. But it opened with a murder and then... It just disappeared after chapter two. And then when I had my friend read the draft of my book, she was like, oh, oh, cool. Like, I read chapter one, but then from chapter two onwards, like, it was like a completely different book. And then I was like, oh, okay, then I'll just take out chapter one. And she's like, but I like chapter one. I'm not very interested in what happened afterwards, (laughs) but I really want to know what happened to um, this murder case that happened in chapter one. And I'm like, oh, really? And back then, I and still now, I love murder book books about you know mysteries and TV shows about mystery, but I never felt like I was smart enough to write it. But then uh, my debut, The Silence of Bones, was the book I wrote as like my oh I give up on publishing. I'm never gonna get an agent. I'm just gonna write whatever. And so I'm like I'm just gonna write a mystery, and it was it was so hard. Um, like I wrote this book I wrote several drafts of this book not knowing who the killer was so I'm wow yeah so I'm writing it really was a mystery yeah it was it was a personal (laughs) mystery (laughs) I'm writing this book and I'm like who is the killer 
and then like oh it's this person and i'd like write all the oh. evidence for it how do you do the foreshadowing then oh that was that was like way later during the um revision process like i'm like oh cut. now i know who it is i need to you know connect the dots now <laughs> That is fascinating. But yeah, it was basically wow. me being... What a journey. I know. <laughs> right? I was the heroine going like, I need to find the killer, but I don't know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, it turned out well. Like, everyone's kind of suspicious <laughs> in this book now because everyone was possibly the murderer. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's oh, good because, you know, you'll have people, that. there's always those people who are like, oh, this book was so yeah, easy. Exactly. I knew who the killer yeah, was from so page true. two. Like, <laughs> yeah. I remember not too long ago, or maybe it was quite a long time ago, um, either on your Instagram or your Twitter, you posted a photo mm -hmm. of all your pages. And it was yeah. basically like Joe and her manuscript at the end of Little Women. Mm -hmm. There was like pages everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I just, that just stuck in my mind for so long, and it also terrified me about <laughs> writing ever again myself. Because like I, I, I don't think I have the capacity to do that. Well, do but like that is that was it like that all the time? Um, for the drafting stage, yes, because there was like the mystery aspect, which was driving me like insane. Well, I, I don't think that's a good word, uh, but it was like the mystery aspect was giving me a headache, and. There were other elements in the book that needed that. There's like two mysteries in my story. There's the mystery that's politically charged and the heroine's personal mystery of looking for her missing brother. And so there were two mysteries I had to deal with and and I needed them to like interlace together smoothly. But then trying to keep it all in my head was so complicated. So what I did was just I spread out tons of paper and I scotched it. I wrote down how I wanted each chapter to go, how, you know, each progress with the mystery case. And when I was able to visualize it in front of me, that it just helped ease my mind. It helped me see where things weren't being wrapped up, where things were getting too complicated, or, or chapters where the mystery element just wasn't touched on at all and I needed to weave it back in. So having that visual, it, it, it looks intimidating, but it was actually, it's harder to just keep it all in your head. So yeah, having it out is much easier. So uh, June, we know how uh, stories are written in K-dramas. Mm -hmm. They follow certain beats. Yeah. Did you find that that influenced the way you wrote, like the beats of your story? Or were they, or did, uh, or were your inspirations more, you know, Western murder mysteries? Mm. So I would say... Yeah, that's it's really interesting, like seeing how um, my experience with Korean dramas intersect with like my experience as a Western reader as well. Um, I would say that it sticks much more closely to a Western murder mystery where you have one character and it's like almost an unreliable narrator and you just see her focused on the mystery Um and it's so it's a bit limited in that sense where the other characters you only see through her lens and um and you don't get to know about other characters as much as you do about the heroine so you don't see like whole scenes where it's just about um other characters their lives and so on um so yeah it's it's much more limited than a Korean drama. The only thing I'd say that's similar to a Korean drama is, you know how with Sagaks, 
a lot of them begin with a, their childhood experience. And then, like, by episode five, it's when they're grown up and they deal with whatever trauma or whatever conflict conflict occurred in their childhood. And then somehow their childhood and their future intersect. I I didn't quite, like, my my beginning chapters aren't, like, about her childhood, but child her childhood memories do play a huge role in the book. And characters that were involved were present in her past as a child also play a a big role in her life like many years later so that's one aspect that influenced um my writing Uh, but yeah like I feel like with first person narrative it's a bit more complicated maybe if I wrote in third person it might have been easier to you know just like write delve deeper into the lives of other characters but yeah I found the first person to be much more limiting in that sense so speaking of these similarities between K-drama and mm-hmm. kind of your writing process, we've noticed a lot of overlap between the K-drama fandom and the YA reading fandom. Mm-hmm. So do you think there's something inherently translatable between YA fiction and Korean drama? Yes. Like their storytelling methods, for example, or like the achieve- like what they want to achieve with the story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that myself. Like I was pretty, yeah, it was pretty interesting to see like Korean drama fans, a lot of, many of my supporters are Korean drama fans. Um, I think, uh, storytelling method, I think, well, I th- I'm not too sure, but I I feel like it's just, it's, it's really the Korean culture that really hooks people and they want more of it, but it's not that easy to find Korean fiction in the West, like there are, but there's just a handful of it. And once you've written it, there's like no more. Um, so I feel like it's that hunger for more about history or about a culture, a, a time that is not taught in classrooms. And I think it's very refreshing maybe to a lot of the audiences. And so they just want more of it. But besides that, I can't say that there's, hmm. Okay. Or like maybe a particular yeah. subgenre of K drama that's more of like the coming of age story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming of age. You know, like school dramas mm-hmm. or yeah. Yeah. I th- even Wicked Fox by Ketcho. That one's I think a school drama set in uh South Korea and mine is coming of age. I think my biggest hook though is the history, Choson Korea. There there really aren't that many books set in that period. And I feel like people who really love Sagak are just I'm just very curious to see it in book form. And a lot of the people who do watch K-dramas, like a lot of them are teens, but even adults. Um, I feel like just because there's so few books out there set in Chosen Dynasty, like they're, they don't care what the age range is. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so do you see yourself staying in uh the chosen time period for your future writing i'd really like to um it's one of the longest dynasties in korea so there's so much to explore and i've i've tried to go further back into the koguryo period but i find that once you hit the koguryo period it's the research just gets so difficult to access and so that's been my biggest barrier to explore outside of chosen dynasty so i think i'm probably going to stay 
in this period until I find like really good resources out there to help me, you know, bridge over to another time period. Just a small, I don't know if you've seen Rookie Historian Guerrero, but it's like a coming of age story with a heroine set in the Joseph Dynasty. I just was wondering if you watched that. I, I watched we a loved few episodes. That one. I'm still watching. Okay, yeah. It's very Jane Austen-y as well, so <laughs> I feel like you would love it. <laughs> a couple of months ago when I was approaching June for this, I was like, you need to watch this drama right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you got <laughs> like, it covered already. It, so when you first introduced your book sort of to the internet at large, mm. um, you introduced it under the title 10,000 Rivers. Yeah. And I have to say that grabbed me oh. first before everything. Yeah. And I mm. loved that title I so know. much. So like, I don't, uh, because I like the new title as well. So mm. it's, it's no shade on the new one, <laughs> but I loved the I old know. one. Uh. Um, and I know you had to change it like for reasons, mm-hmm. but can you tell us like um, how you came up with the first title, mm-hmm. why you had to change it, and that whole process? So when I was looking for the title for my book, I I read this this I don't know if it's a poem, but just this line by a king in Korea saying that the sea is made out of ten thousand rivers. And my book revolves around around the sea a lot and and just like how the sea almost seems like there's no depth to it. And one of the big themes in my book is that um, her f- is that the heroine gets through the tough times in the investigation by clinging on to the memory of her brother saying that um, his love and his mother's love and his sister's love for her is as deep as the sea. And that there's no depth to it because there's 10,000 rivers running through. And so I found that title just resonating with the heroine so well. So that became the title. And I, I really, I really love the title as well. Um, but they, but my. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. The line is still there. So uh, there's a, you know, some, some remnants of the title in my book. Um, but my publisher wanted to change it, the marketing team, because my book was going mm. to be positioned as a you know hardcore mystery, and Ten Thousand Rivers is more has a more historical fiction vibe, and they weren't really going with that route, um, so they wanted to market it as a mystery. So they they needed a mystery title, and so they gave me uh, the option, like they gave me the freedom to like come up with another title that I could be happy with. And so my agent and editor and I, we just like brainstormed and I work at the library. So I have like tons of books and like CDs of titles. I was just like reading them and going, Hmm, what, what kind of titles really stand out to me? Um, and I realized that the titles have words that create an atmosphere, a vibe of what the world they want to introduce you to about is and so I one of the things that kind of permeates through my book is the idea of silence and obviously bones because it's a murder mystery and so I, I tried to figure out a way to attach those two words together and it just ended up being the silence of bones yeah wow that does sound like a hardcore mystery yeah <laughs> exactly. yes it's, yeah a little, a little bit dark and chilling mm-hmm. and so it's a market. undercurrent of yeah. creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely has atmosphere. <laughs> so uh, you said that you work at the library. Mm-hmm. Um, I really envy you that. Oh. Um, 
of course, we would all love to be surrounded by books, yeah. but also um, I suppose that it it must help to be uh, to have access to research that. Um, because you know how the catalog system works, yeah. you know whom to ask, where to mm-hmm. look for certain titles, right? So um, this is not exactly a question. Uh, just like you, I have grown up loving historicals. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had this phase where all I was reading was historical oh, romances. I mean, and yeah, me too. They- <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. So- yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, just as a side note, my favorite author, uh, for now at least, is uh, Courtney Milan. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and I Sherry Thomas. And Sherry Thomas uh, wrote The Magnolia Sword. Mm. Uh, so w- what I was saying was that I grew up reading historicals, loving mm. historical romances. And I also found... Um, that I wanted to know more about my own country's history, which yeah. is India. Yeah. And I often found that because my education was um, English medium, mm-hmm. um, while, while I can read uh, at least three Indian languages, I'm not extremely proficient yeah. in them. Yeah. It's hard to mm-hmm. read um, like really dense yeah. um, texts, research material that, that probably has a lot of information that I want, but it's in Hindi and mm-hmm. I can only read so much. Yeah, There's so I much it. I don't understand. I get it, yeah. So that is really frustrating for me because my novice attempts at writing has also all been historical. Oh, so you're so, in the same boat as me. <laughs> yes, but you're so, so much farther ahead. No, and I'm like even less further ahead or I'm even more behind because I want to write historical and I want it to be connected to my ethnic heritage, but also like I read Urdu like a fourth grader. Oh, I get it. Um, yeah. And I would probably <laughs> also have to learn how to read Hindi because mm. it's like the same same heritage, mm-hmm. but it's just... The resources are in different languages. So, I'm dealing yeah. with this problem by making up the world entirely. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's really hard too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I suppose the tail end of that was it's not exactly a question, uh, but in historical romance genre, mm-hmm. majority of authors who end up writing. Um, they end up setting their characters in Regency or Georgian era (laughs) England because that's what we have mostly read. That is where most of the characters are. And and I've tried doing that too because it's so easy to get reference material. um, Oh my gosh, yeah. I I have so much feelings about this. (laughs) Yes, so were you ever tempted? What what are your thoughts? So when I wrote, I actually wrote in the Victorian era. There's tons of resources out there. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I what I really experienced was that research really either creates opportunities for writers, especially diaspora writers, or really limits it. So when it comes to like you wanting to, you know, write a book that touches base on your heritage, and even me wanting to write a book that touched on my own heritage, um, immediately there's like tons of barriers as diaspora writers like number one if we're not good at reading immediately there's like a huge wall we have to climb over and number two if we can read decently it's like trying to find these resources and even when you do find them it's like there's always that sense of kind of wonder like oh have I found all the information I need to find or do people who live in my homeland like know the secret resource out there that I haven't actually tapped into and so being a diaspora I feel like it's it's not just being us being physically away from our homeland there are just so many um 
barriers for us to even get back in touch with our roots, I feel like. But on the flip side, despite how hard it's been to research, like I would totally um, encourage you both to uh, give it a try anyways, because when I began researching for my book, um, I it was I think it was actually one of the most life-changing experiences for me because I when I was growing up I thought I was kind of like this lone island like I was Korean but I I didn't really like see how I was Korean except you know how I looked and the language I spoke but when I began researching I it was almost like staring into a mirror I could see how the values I had connected to Korea's past and how who I was was molded by history because I think when you no matter how far you grow up from your homeland like there's your community and there's just something that like history somehow affects us in ways we don't know through the people around us who you know as immigrants I feel like many of us still grow up with uh, people of our of similar culture like not for everyone, but for um, the most case. And the way my parents raised me, they raised me with, um, you know, a lot of Korean traditional values, but I didn't know they were Korean traditional values. Like I didn't know why I was so filial until I read in history that, you know, Confucianism was a big thing and in Confucianism, filial loyalty and those things are a huge deal. And things like hierarchy are also a huge deal. And I thought it was just who I was, but then I realized history really affected me and so learning history helped me come to terms with what it means to be Korean and it history basically affirmed to me that I am Korean enough um, that you know I don't have to live in Korea I don't have to you know speak the language perfectly to be Korean like history is evidence that I am a Korean like I was affected by the things that happened in the past and so there's so much to be gained through the writing of your own culture it's like you're reclaiming it and so I think it's rewarding despite all the barriers that you know we have to face so yeah definitely give it a try I would add so that, I mean I haven't written fiction but mm-hmm. although I, I do know that I want to write historical fiction at some point but mm-hmm. like through the process of writing my thesis um, and June my thesis is basically about um, I'm comparing and looking at mass media mm-hmm. like a uh, really popular movies and like popular TV shows mm-hmm. um, in both South Korea and India and how they represent the nation yeah. and also like how they represent the historical nation and how that's been affected by the division mm-hmm. of those that those countries have gone through, um, you know, like after World War Two. Mm-hmm. And so I've had to do a lot of this kind of research where like, as you describe, both in Korean and with like my, you know, third year level Korean, which is not not that good, um, <laughs> trying to like, go between like English sources and Korean sources yeah. and um, and also, like, looking back at, like, Indian sources and, mm-hmm. you know, old stuff from, like, the British Raj. And a lot of that stuff is in English, but then there's also this yeah. element to, like, yeah. not being that good at the language. Like, mm-hmm. I can speak it enough to, you know, communicate well with my family, but I couldn't, like, read a whole book in it. Mm-hmm. So that is, yeah, like, the, like is there some secret knowledge? Or, like, this just, like, yeah. this... You know, like if you grow up in a culture or you're you're well versed in a culture, it's like you're swimming in the sea of knowledge mm-hmm. that you don't really have to think about it. You mm-hmm. just have it. Yeah. But then if you like go and deliberately try to like pick pieces of it to learn, mm-hmm. what about the rest? Like yeah. what are the important parts mm-hmm. that you need to get? Like what if I'm getting biased information? Yep. Or like I what if this person is not a reliable source? Yep. Like you don't have I'm glad to learn. Yeah, so I can I really <laughs> relate to that. 
especially yeah. because my country's history has so uh, much like so much of it has been written by british historians oh, yeah. that and now uh, modern historians often reflect back on the greatest classic you know the the historical books that have become classics and look at them and say that those were really biased mm-hmm. and but but they influence so much of the history of my country that i know mm. so what is biased yeah. what is yeah. what is accurate depiction yeah, so of those tricky. times it's Exactly. Right. And then there's like the post-partition nationalism that also comes in and kind of, you know, affects the way that people look back at the past. Drives the narrative in an entirely yeah. different direction. Exactly. That's so yeah. true. Yeah. So it's very complicated. Mm-hmm. So coming back to Sakoks and K-dramas, <laughs> uh, have you, have you, in your, uh, in your imagination, uh, mm-hmm. have you cast anyone uh, as, as, you know, in, in the roles of, of your characters, like yep. actors from... You are, oh, I'm very glad to hear this. Yeah. Um, yes, so we want to know. For Sal, the main character, I imagine Kim Kohn. She's from Cheese in the Trap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Goblin, Goblin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we Goblin love her. Bag. And for the Inspector Han, I imagine Chang Hyuk. He's from Deep Reddit Tree. Oh. It's a historical drama. I don't know where else he's in. I'm sure he's, he's in everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, he was also, he was really good with um, Entry with Deep Roots, but also he did um, Chuno. Yeah, him, him, him. Yeah. Oh, yes. And he did, he's done a bunch recently, too. He's so Yeah, good. he wasn't he in the uh, Yang Sejong uh, Udahon one recently as well. The, mm. What was it called? My Country? Yes, that oh, one. Yeah, so I think he was. Yeah. That's on Netflix. I heard that was really good. <laughs> it is on Netflix. Oh, is it good? I, I tried watching it. I'm like, I watched I've, an episode on like. Mm-hmm. I watched the first episode, and that was good, but I haven't had a chance to watch oh, more. Okay. But I, I heard that it was quite tragic Ooh, ooh, i don't i don't know if i want to cry <laughs> <laughs> that's why i didn't watch it yeah. i guess it depends it, on what your expectation of a good saga is mm-hmm. if you want the tears i, the I pain, normally then. want to cry but n- like when i'm on a deadline i'm already crying over book two i'm like i don't know if i want to cry some more <laughs> I feel well, you this. want to cry this in the middle, middle only but not watching. at the end. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I'm only watching variety right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't require any emotional investment. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, related to what you said about uh, casting Kim Gon as Seoul, mm-hmm. w- did you decide to name the character Seoul because like, she was Seoul and she's in the trap? Oh, she was, wasn't she? It, oh, yeah. that's it right. It wasn't intentional. Like, I think I first saw her name and I'm like, oh, I love how simple it is. And yeah. then I use that and I'm like, oh, but I love how Kim Cohn looks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happened. Yeah. I love that name too. It oh, you guys caught me. <laughs> Very pretty. <laughs> we won't tell anyone except to all our listeners. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a secret with the listeners and you guys. <laughs> Oh, uh, and also, like, uh, if you had to choose the genre, I'm like, if this ever became a K drama, mm-hmm. would you want this to be like a very serious, intense mm-hmm. murder mystery, or would you want it to be like a fusion saguk? Would you want it to be like a proper saguk mm-hmm. with like no fusion elements? Oh, it would be straight up serious. <laughs> After all the research I did, it better be straight up. <laughs> oh, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> I see why Jang Hyuk has to be in it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, He's oh not no flower boy for your drama. <laughs> yeah. I also can't think of a fusion saga that doesn't have romance in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no romance in mine. 
<laughs> exactly. Who was the actor in uh, uh, was it Bridal Mask? Ah, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, Juwan. Yeah, yeah, Juwan. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, whenever I think of like serious dramas, I think of him. Uh, like serious sagas, oh, I think of his serious. <laughs> he is very serious. He's very intense. He's good at crying. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I just wanted Yusunga to be in it. You just want Yusunga to be in everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> across genres, across anything. I mean, <laughs> across That's time periods. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. So, um, on a more, like, a little bit more personal mm-hmm. note, we all, three of us, are women of strong personal mm-hmm. beliefs. And you write in your bio that your Christian faith is one of your inspirations. Mm-hmm. Um, has that shaped or informed your writing or even, you know, your K-drama viewing choices? So as a Christian, it doesn't affect my viewing choices. I just watch whatever I want to watch. <laughs> um, as for my writing, um, so the the Science of Bones, the, the idea for it was behind um, this one historical uh, incident of all, basically all of the Chosen Kingdom searching for this one Chinese priest, Catholic priest, who smuggled himself into Chosen Korea to evangelize. And as someone who appreciates history, objectively, I could see, you know, the pros and cons to what he was doing. Like, I could see how, you know, he came from, the priest was trying to evangelize from a place of genuine care for the Chosen Korean people. On the other side, it created so many problems because just the chosen Korean values and you know Catholicism it it doesn't really always mesh well and with Catholicism um, it's it comes with this idea of westernization and chosen Korea back then was a was very closed door they didn't want any western influence they wanted to you know maintain their tradition and I totally understood that and so I could see why there would be this intense tension. And so I really want to explore that tension of what does it mean to, you know, be passionate about your faith, but also what does it mean when it comes at the cost of, you know, tradition and, you know, and the potential of invasion, because Korea was always terrified of invasion. And the last thing they wanted was to be invaded by the West. But you let Christianity in, there's a high chance that soon, you know, Korea will be westernized as well um so that's what I wanted to explore and I for me even though I'm a Christian like I really wanted to be as objective as possible like I didn't want to take sides or anything like that so um something that I chose to do and that was really important to me was um so Sel is a Buddhist and she remains a Buddhist to the end like she doesn't get converted she interacts with Catholics who are, you know, being persecuted. Um, but it's just like on, it's more just like a human relationship where, you know, Sal is a kind, loyal person and she just meets other kind people who are loyal to their own beliefs and no one is imposing anything on each other. Um, I just wanted to catch a glimpse of history. I didn't want to preach a sermon that's the last thing I wanted to do Um, and the thing that they relate to the most is the idea of home where is home so for these Catholics who are willing to be martyred 
For them, their idea of home is, you know, home for them is in heaven. For Sel, she understands home as like home is finding her missing brother who raised her, who loved her, who was the only person who, you know, felt, made her feel secure and loved. And so that's home. And so no one is right in the end. No one is right or wrong. But it's just this thing that I wanted to explore, like what is home? And for me, it's very personal as well because I don't live with my parents. And so growing up as a teen and even into my adulthood, one of the things that I always struggled with was, you know, where is home when my parents who love me the most don't live with me? And and I thought that aligned so well with, you know, the historical aspect of that time where um, these Catholics were being persecuted for their belief. And the only thing that kept them going was like, you know, they clung on to this belief that, you know, home for them is in heaven. So they'll stick through the persecution till the end. And I just thought that parallel was so fascinating. And that's how I feel like my own faith informed my decision when it come to when it came to what kind of themes I wanted to explore. But yeah, like I I just like for me that was really important to stay true to my faith, but at the same time to be respectful of Saul's own faith as a Buddhist. And so for her, in her scenes, there's always this aspect of um, Buddhism that comes into play, and I wanted to stay true to it because I'm not writing about myself. I'm writing about this other girl who is of another faith. And and yeah, and um, growing up as a Korean, um, I've grown up with Buddhist, Buddhist influence as well. Um, yeah, like if you look into Korean history, there's, you know, Buddhism and Confucianism are the two very strong um you know, forms of beliefs that really influenced Korean values. And so I've grown up with it. And the Buddhist traditions that I could see in my own upbringing, I kind of wove into Seoul. And the Christian faith and so on that I grew up with, I kind of wove into the Catholic characters. And then there's Inspector Han, who's the most objective. He, like, hates Christianity. He is for, you know, maintaining tradition and so the objective side of me that understands how, you know, problematic Christianity was in non-Western countries, that's represented in him. So, yeah, different aspects of, you know, the tension are introduced in different characters and no one character is right, basically. Mm, that's really wow, beautifully Julie, put. I, really I love that. This book. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that like personal side. Oh, thank you so much well. for asking. Like I really wanted to talk about it, but yeah, no one has asked so far. <laughs> oh, I'm so but glad. You, that was Saya's question. So Yay, thanks, thank Saya. I wasn't sure if it was one you'd want to answer because I know that people can be I mean, of course, your beliefs and things are a private thing. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing that we talk about all the time. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, so if there's anywhere you'd be comfortable talking about it, I hope that would be with us. Yeah, I was very comfortable. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. It's really that was amazing, actually. I'm glad. So to get to something much more trivial, mm-hmm. but not. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're nearly like we're close to finishing up here. So tell us um, your all time favorite dramas, and which drama you can't live without, and which you'd unmake if you could. And is Sagak your favorite genre? So Sagak is my favorite cha- genre, and my all-time favorite would be Tongi and Tejangam, so Jewel in the Palace, and those are the two I couldn't live without. The one I would unmake 
would be please no hate it would be faith <laughs> oh, yeah. no hate no but hate. i love faith i know i know people love it Zion, Boromar, just like feeling heartbroken i know right now. <laughs> i'm just <laughs> i have so very pounds. mixed feelings about um fusions <laughs> Is this because of like the historical accuracy yeah, part the, of it? My or? book is actually set in a similar time, so I'm like, oh, this is not accurate and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Faith Kogoryo? Is that Jack Chosen? Oh, no, maybe this was a different drama. Oops. But I just remember <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was Kogoryo, I think. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was during um, Empress Ki's reign, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was for my second book is during that period. Uh, okay. Oh, can you just briefly, very briefly, mm-hmm. because I, I I don't want to keep you too long, tell us about your second book? Like, it, does Silence of Bones have a sequel or is it a standalone? So, no sequel. Um, my second book is a standalone historical mystery. And I initially said it during the faith time period, but then I realized, you know, it's hard to research. So now it's set back in the chosen period much earlier in the 1400s. And it's about two estranged sisters who are searching for their missing father in Jeju-do. And her, their father is like the greatest detective in chosen, but he just disappears. And they're trying to find out why. Okay, I want to read Have this you finished too. this yet? Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder we will be praying your for your fingers to fly so yes. that you can finish it quickly and you can read it faster. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, it's a, I'm upset. It's sorry. you, it's you, yeah. <laughs> uh, so from favorite dramas to favorite books, mm-hmm. um, we often think that Korean dramas feel like mm-hmm. uh, they're basically books. Yeah. For me, uh, Korean drama romances are often exactly like romance novels that I have grown up reading. Yeah. Um, so, but aside from that similarity, what what are what would what recommendations would you have for our listeners mm-hmm. um, who maybe who watch um, you know who read books and who watch K dramas? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Well. So when it comes to Korean books that feel like K dramas, it's it's a bit limited. But the only the one the books that come to mind right away is obviously *Wicked Fox* by Kat Cho. It's about you know a kumio, and it's set in a South Korean high school. The other one is by Rebel um, Axie O, oh, and the book is called *Rebel Soul*. And that's a think of it like a sci-fi meets K drama meets Pacific Rim. Um, and the other book would be Prophecy by Ellen O. And that had, like, when I read it, it had, like, a K-drama-ish, anime-ish vibe. But yeah, it, they were pretty good, all three. I think Ellen O's books are middle grade, aren't they? Yeah, I think Prophecy was her only... I'm not sure, but that was, was a It was a trilogy, Yeah, yeah, a trilogy. Oh, right, okay. Or was oh, it middle grade? Oh, actually, no, maybe that I was middle grade. I think it was grade. middle grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. the, other, the other ones were YA, but that was middle grade. Yeah, yeah. There's also... Um, have you come across Mimi Yu's book? <gasps> the Girl King? I haven't read it yet. Oh, read it, read it. Okay, so yeah. it's it's YA, mm-hmm. historical Korean, but it's also fantasy. <gasps> oh, so I it's, didn't know. You, you're going to like it. I didn't know it was Korean, <laughs> <Read> it. <laughs> okay. 
I didn't know until I turned the last page oh. or the first page and I saw her dedication was in Hangul and oh I was like oh my god, god of course Mimi you oh. and like it, like the way she slips in little sort of Korean references yeah. like it's not overtly yeah. uh, like it's not history yeah. it's it's fantasy mm-hmm. but it does ha- it borrows from um, Korean history oh, and culture I so I think you'll enjoy that too yeah, I'll check that out in conclusion and like in our very huge excitement, where can we find you and your book on the internet? And where can we just like learn more about you and like order your book and all of that oh, stuff? Thank you. Um, so on social media, I'm on Twitter often and you can follow me at writer June Her and on Instagram at June H Writes. My blog is juneher.com and for the books aren't out yet, but when they are, you could buy them on any major bookselling sites like Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or any major bookstores like Barnes and Nobles or Indigo in Canada. Um, but yeah, they should be not too hard to find. <laughs> That's been great, and thank, thank you, you so, so much, much Jude, oh, for I, sharing I love everything. To you guys. <laughs> and I think we've taken more of your time than we meant to. Oh, I just <laughs> got way too excited talking. <laughs> <It took> so <laughs> long. Well, we fully hope that you'll come back. Yes. You, we should come back. We should do a signal episode. Oh, and yes. you should come oh back my for gosh. That. Yeah. We've been talking about doing a like a special I, yeah. And I'll have to rewatch it. We can all rewatch it and then we can come back. Yeah. Barbara, Give you me haven't watched a month's it yet, right? notice so I can rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so ready yeah. for this. We should do this before Signal Two comes out. What? Signal yeah. 2? Ooh. Signal 2 yes. has been in the works uh, for a while. Yeah, oh, The writers have been busy back. with Kingdom, but they are writing oh my gosh. Uh, the second season, so we should definitely okay. reconvene for that. Yes, let's do that. Yes. Thank you for sharing your time with us thank and for you. answering our many questions. Oh, thank with you. With so was... much eloquence and depth and was so excitement. <laughs> yeah, it was Same wonderful here. having you, June. Thank you. And best of luck with the book launch. Thank you so much. I wish you guys could all be there, but... I guess you'll be there in spirit. <laughs> yes, she <Absolutely>. will. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs>